Welcome to my live event here at Ruby. I'm Chef Char Nolan, one of the members of the Instructional Chef team, so I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I was just talking to Patrick, who's our producer today, talking about things that we love, and one of the things that I love is doing a live event and recognizing so many students past and right now who have tuned in to um, ask some questions. Uh, before we jump into today's questions and some of the other things to talk about, I wanted to start off in, by saying that I love when I peruse social media and I see a student who hashtags or gives an ampersand to us for um, <clears throat> something they've done. And this is a student whose name is Ashley Karen. And this is her new book that just came out a few weeks ago. And this is her first book, which she wrote about a year ago. And the books are not plant-based, but you know, my greatest joy and challenge in life is to take a conventional cookbook and see how I can veganize it or make it plant-based and have a little bit of a healthier spin. But this book I love because her layout is so fabulous and she has places to put notes and little tabs for things. And if you are a um, posted person like I am, I mean, just look at this wonderful book. So her name is Ashley Karen. She's from Utah. She's a graphic artist and she has completed two Ruby courses. So I love when a student gets the confidence that we hope you take from the course and say, hey, I'm gonna write a cookbook. So uh, there are a couple of questions today in the queue about how can I do X once I finish school? So Ashley wrote two cookbooks, they're self-published. They're fabulously written. Her recipes are clear and concise. And, uh, you know, I always find it fun to actually read a cookbook uh, and read the contents and what someone's idea was for creating a recipe. So um, if you're in the market uh, for a fun cookbook, Hello Yum by Ashley Karen, K-A-R-R-E-N. So we'll start off with that. And believe it or not, one of the questions that I get a lot of the time is, what's your favorite kind of pasta? And I have to say that I like all kinds of pasta. Uh, Ditalini might be my favorite just because it's little and tiny and it absorbs flavors well. And if it's a ribbed Ditalini, I think that it carries flavor a little bit better. But right now I am enjoying this Galalo whole wheat pasta. And uh, it's got four grams of fiber in a serving. And I love Fusilli because it also uh, adheres well to the sauce or whatever you're putting on it. Uh, sometimes I'll make a pesto from broccoli, and I love when the broccoli gets, when the broccoli florets, you know, get embedded into the little curls, so it makes it a really, really delicious dinner. Um, before we move on to today's questions, one of the things I just wanted to talk about, um, which I um, am reminded of on a regular basis, is uh, photographs. Remember that bright lights will... Uh, showcase your food in the best way, kind of like the bright lights of Broadway. So you sort of want to uh, enhance the look of your food by using some bright lights. And it doesn't have to be that you've got to go out and buy a big O-ring light. You can look out your window and say, I'm going to take my pictures at six o'clock today because I know the sun will hit them right. And um, when I was a Ruby student uh, many, many years ago, uh, my side porch was the best place to take photos uh, starting around four o'clock in the afternoon. So if I had made something the day before, I would wrap it well and then plate it the next day. 
and have it uh, ready for you know prime time Ruby. So uh, just uh, there is a unit um, in the program about taking food photographs. So just remember that bright direct light will always be your your best friend. And the other thing is when I see a beautifully made dish that I know in my mind, I know that you've gone shopping, you've studied the recipe. Sometimes it's something that you've made more than once. Um, excuse me. Um, <coughs> sorry, let me just get a little sip of water here. I know that it's something that you've made with all your heart. And all I see is the silhouette to your telephone. I don't want to see the silhouette to your telephone. I don't want to see any shadows. So find a way to take that photo without adding the shadow of your telephone, and it will truly enhance the beauty of your work and send to an instructor a big wow factor for your assignment. Anyway, let's start off with some questions today. Our first one comes from Margot. If you're on social media, you may know Margot as Picnic in Provence. Um, she makes beautiful food. Uh, she finds herself looking to what's next after the plant-based pro. Any tips on how to start your plant-based cooking workshop business? And are there any other courses um, that might be good for her to try and how to stay connected with Ruby and other students? So this could be a whole hour discussion. So I wanted to share with you a couple of fun things. You know, um, I think that when we're students, we all have different ideals about what we might want to do when we finish. And I was giving thought today to one of the most fun things is it's so much fun to do an in-home cooking class for four to six people. Um, it's usually word of mouth. I think I've mentioned before that my little uh, business started with donating a cooking class for four at an auction. And uh, I have to turn people away because I don't want to, you know, do classes every single day of my life. But it's so much fun. And you bring all of the supplies to the person's house because you want it to be convenient. And it might be four to six people, uh, men, women, children. And at the end, everyone sits down and they, they eat a beautiful dinner together. So it, it kind of goes back to the energy that many of us remember in our family kitchens when we were little and how cooking is so much fun and how sitting together with people around a table and chatting and discussing what they made, what they liked, what they didn't like. And I also listen carefully because it's really a good way to find out other things that I might want to do in the future. And the other part of that, Margot, is um you really need we all need to love what we do and i think that when we love what we do people feel that energy and want to be a part of it so there are now things may be different in provence i'm not sure but here uh there are opportunities to teach in libraries to teach in schools to teach in gardens to teach at farmers markets if you identify the niche that you want to work in then you just kind of take take foot and go after it and do what you want to do or volunteer to teach a free class and make a flyer and there you go with that in terms of and Laura, we can talk offline about this anytime you want you can just shoot me an email i'm happy to discuss it with you um 
the other thing that what I see is that people will take one course. If you read our social media on Instagram from Saturday, March 16th, um, actually it was March 23rd, but who's counting? Uh, we did a story about Laura Crabtree Hollenbeck, who has taken four Ruby classes. And aside from her, she's known as artfully plant-based on social media, but her work is exquisite she was a stellar student in the Essential Vegan Desserts program. If I were just completing uh, Plant Pro today, I would definitely take the dessert course because I think that um, a lot of people who might be new to plant-based eating think that they're going to eat a granola bar um, as their dessert instead of seeing all of the beautiful and elegant desserts that Fran has put together in her curriculum. So that would be my suggestion. In terms of uh, staying around, um, there is the Facebook page, uh, which is uh, Ruby Plant Pro, or I think it's something like that. People put a lot of great posts in there. Um, they stay connected with one another. And then I think that you can have a lifetime membership to Ruby, and that's where you might want to check with Deanne from uh, from student services. But right now, we're so happy to have you with us, Margaret. So please don't go. We want you to stay with us forever. But thanks for the great question. And uh, I hope you have a great day. All right. Oh, Cynthia, this is such a great question. Uh, Cynthia asks, can you share any hints for cooking for one without freezing extra servings? So the one thing that I suggest to a lot of students is that if you're just cooking for one person, divide the recipe in half. Now you might have to use a calculator to do so, but divide the recipe in half. The yield that you get will be enough for you and you won't have too much to freeze because I, I would probably eat both of the servings in the same few days and you know food will keep uh, up uh, <clears throat> for up to five days in your refrigerator if it's well kept. Good containers, um, looking into glass containers or containers that have burpable tops. Um, there are some good silicone containers or silicone bags. And I've been reading a lot now, Cynthia, where people are just using uh, freezer bags to freeze their things. And what they do is they fill it and then they flatten it and let the air out and they, they freeze something that looks sort of like this. It's just a little bag rather than having a bulky container so that you can stack them in your freezer. Um, a couple of years ago, I convinced my husband that we needed to have a refrigerator that had a freezer on the bottom with a pull-out drawer because I thought it would be so wonderful. And sometimes I think we're a little compromised on space because I do find myself running out of freezer space. So I totally understand uh, where you're coming from. Um, hope that was helpful. This is from uh, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Good afternoon. Uh, she wants to talk a little bit about honey. Is it okay to use in tea? Um, she's not concerned about the vegan point of view, but a plant strong, no sugar, no fat point of view. So um, I'm going to use myself as an example because I'm what I would call an Esselstyn um, plant-based vegan. And I don't use any sweetener in my tea or iced tea or whatever. Um, you can unravel your sweet buds in 21 days by changing a habit. Um, I don't know if you have any medical uh, issues or whatever. 
if I were going to use sweetener, I would use honey just because it's a little bit more nutrient dense. Um, it's still, honey is still a sugar, but I think that's totally up to you. You know, the one thing to think about is that a normal serving of honey is a teaspoon. So if you have weighed and measured that teaspoon, um, then that might work for you. But I think it's uh, a decision that would be totally up to you. If you have any questions, um, you can always um, feel free to uh, send me a note. Oh, this is from Lily, who um, has a question about uh, coconut oil. So I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because I don't use any oil in my cooking or in my baking or anything else like that. But I will tell you this, that coconut oil has more saturated fat in it than beef, lard, or butter. So I would say that from a nutritional point of view, that would be something that you would have to decide upon in terms of whether or not you wanted to incorporate it into your diet. But again, um, I, I, I have seen recipes that call for uh, coconut oil and I just steer clear of that recipe and we'll try to adjust it, uh, you know, using um, flax meal or sweet potato or whatever. And sometimes it doesn't work and I'll, I'll say to myself, well, you know what, I really didn't want that anyway. But you might want to look into some of the, um, the reasons why it's not a good idea to uh, have, uh, you know, coconut oil. So the other thing about using any oil, uh, let's forget about the consumption part of whether we use it to fry or whether we use it to saute or whatever. What do you do with the oil when you're done with it? What's the safest and best way to dispose of it while remaining kind to the environment? So I may be a little biased because I haven't had a drop of oil for almost 14 years. So I'm living proof that it is a doable thing, but it's a great question. Thank you. Oh, hi, Anne. Anne wants to know what my favorite recipes are for entertaining. Um, I haven't entertained much lately these last few years. However, uh, when neighbors have come over to the porch, um, I like to do easy things like um, Anne Esselstyn has a wonderful sandwich called Pepperidge Sandwiches, and it's pumpernickel bread with a little bit of hummus and some uh, cooked kale with tomatoes on top and a drizzle of uh, balsamic vinegar and uh, things like that, a nice big hearty salad or a mango salsa and then serve it with sweet potatoes so that you can have a mango salsa sweet potato. And uh, one of the fun things is that if you go into the archives of the Ruby Shindig, there are some fabulous ideas for really wonderful, wonderful entertaining ideas. But uh, in terms of my, I think my Pearl Mesta days may be over. I'm not sure, but that's such a great question. And if you plan a party, Anne, and live within a hundred mile radius of Philadelphia, I'll come to your party. But thanks for the, for the great question. Um, this is from Annette who has a question about kitchen layout. And uh, we did provide a link uh, for that, Annette, that you might find helpful. I will say this, we uh, designed uh, our, our kitchen redesign last year. And uh, I must have read every article in the world and decided that I had read too many articles. And what I did was um, figured out how I work. And I work in two spaces. I work near the sink and I work near the stove. 
So I made sure um, that the sink and the stove were within arm's length on either side of me. And I would like to preface that my finished kitchen is about 11 by 11 feet. So it's not a ginormous kitchen, but in terms of it being practical, I have a stove here and I have a sink here. And rather than having uh, traditional cabinets put in, we had uh, drawers uh, put in. So they're really easy in terms of um, storage and makes it very easy to get things out. So I think you might want to look at your storage. And then lastly, um, a trip to Ikea is always eye-opening. And one of the things that I did buy at Ikea was a two-tiered workstation with a fancy schmancy stainless steel top. And I use that so what, if I'm teaching a Zoom class, it's what I use so that I have a nice background of my pretty cabinets and tile. But I think you have to investigate your work style, what works best for you. And I'm going to add that I'm also left-handed. So that was another important thing for me, that there would be enough space on my left side so that I would have easy access to cutting boards, my knives, and other things that are important to me. So it's sort of like a, um, a self-searching endeavor that you just have to find out what works for you. And yes, there are some things I would have done differently now that I've been living in this new kitchen for a year. Great question. This is from Anne S. Uh, when, oh, this is a good question. Uh, when, when you soak your cashews for about five hours and you put them in the Vitamix, uh, they still seem bumpy and not smooth. So my first recommendation is, uh, how old were the cashews? Did you check their expiration date? Uh, either on the bin that you bought, bought them at, if they were bulk, or if they came from a jar. And uh, then after you finish soaking the beans, uh, the cashews rather, I give them a really good rinse. And um, that seems to uh, help them uh, get that little filmy stuff off on those little dots. And um, I don't know um, what kind of, if you have the big canister, the, the, uh, the 64 ouncer, but I also use a, six, uh, a 32 ounce grinding Vitamix container because the blades go the other way and it seems to grind better. And my cashew creme or anything that I use to do, make a bechamel or whatever, it comes out really smooth. But I think it's in the rinsing and make sure that the nuts are fresh. So I hope that's helpful to you. Another one from Anne, she's on a roll. Uh, for firm tofu, which is my favorite, uh, was it crumbly when I baked it because I didn't get all the water out? Uh, there are tips for working with this substance. So I don't know how long that you uh, drained the tofu. What I do with it is I wrap it in a towel and then I put it in a colander and then I put a bowl underneath and then I put it in my fridge with a bunch of heavy containers on it so that it can take out about two to three ounces of water so that when you are ready to use it, maybe five hours later, but it works best overnight from my experience. It is really nice and dry. And when I put it into the air fryer or I roast it in the oven, whether it's in slabs or in cubes, uh, it comes out perfectly. It doesn't uh, uh, have that crumbly texture, which is one of the reasons why I never ate tofu until I did come to Ruby and made the roasted tofu 
um, recipe, which um, is one of my favorite recipes since forever. So I would drain it a little bit better. And um, I think you're going to meet success that way. The other thing is um, I have an aerated roasting pan so that when I put it in the oven, it sort of, I don't have a conventional stove, but it sort of aerates well. And I do find that it works best in the air fryer. So I think it's in the draining. I think that's the most important thing. Um, hello, Carrie. Good afternoon. Uh, I hope you're well. Um, Carrie is looking for some vegetable storing tips, and we seem to discuss that a lot. And I know that we all don't go to the grocery store, you know, every single day. And um, these are some, some blueberries, and I want them to last a long time. So what I do is I do this for strawberries. I do it for lettuce. I do it for everything. I make a little doily, for lack of a better word, and then I put it on top of the container, and then I just close it and then turn it upside down so that if any moisture is released, it goes into the paper towel. And I have kept berries for three weeks, lettuce that I have forgotten about in the back of the refrigerator, arugula, so something like this. The other thing that I think is really important is that we really should only buy what we need. And one of the things that I've done uh, to save time and money is that I now only buy carrots and celery in bulk. So um, in, in other words, not in a plastic bag. So I can pick out two big carrots and I can pick out a couple of uh, ribs of uh, celery. And immediately when I get home, I mince them or dice them or whatever, cube them. And then I put them into an airtight container so that when I'm ready to make a soup and I need a mirepoix, I don't have to struggle with anything in my refrigerator, but things are ready to go. So preparing things is one way. You can do that with onions as well. And uh, you, can do, you can use the storage method with the container and the paper towel, but I find that to be a really good way to um, save. And if you're buying, let's say, kale, when you get home, you want to wash it, you want to strip it, you want to dry it, and then you're going to put it in a towel and roll that towel up and just stick it into an airtight container, and that kale will last forever. So I think that those might be three helpful tips that you might be able to use. I understand your yikes, though. I really do. Um, hello, Amos. Good afternoon. Uh, do I have a good plant-based sugar-free frosting that you like? So um, most of you will hear me say uh, I'm uh, mostly a, um, a rustic baker. But I will say, uh, when you say sugar-free, are you talking refined sugar-free or are you talking not even maple syrup which or, or date syrup or a fruit paste or whatever? So what I want to say is, if I do make a cake uh, and I make icing, my, my icing will be made from garbanzo beans, and I will make a chocolate hummus icing that's absolutely delicious. Um, so that might be one thing for you to try. I think that um, you know, I don't, I don't know, um, excuse me, I don't know exactly what kind of recipe you're looking for, but. That's a good starter. And I see that the question under yours is um, from Fran Costigan. And I will tell you this, that um, this morning I received a panicked 
call from a friend of mine who was like, help me. What should I do? I just found out I can't eat dairy or eggs. What should I do? And so I sent her the link to Fran's website and said, any questions? Ask Fran. And uh, thinking that uh, essential vegan desserts would be a really good program for her because she's a fabulous baker. So anyway, Amos, I hope that that helps. This is from Fran. Um, she echoes what I said about the kitchen room. She's in the process. It's really fun because daily she'll send me an updated video. And I love watching it. Uh, there are rules, the triangle. But as Shaw said, think about how you work. Yeah, you do have to think about how you work. And um, uh, my husband came with me to every kitchen appointment that I had. And his idea was very different than mine. And so on a funny note, um, uh, there are some things I don't like about my kitchen, and that's because my husband picked them out, but don't tell him that. Um, friend, those are great words. And friend, if you want to chime in about a sugar-free um, icing, that would be good. I, I do want to say, um, you know, I love grocery stores. I could go to a grocery store seven days a week, uh, and I, I'm, I'm just mesmerized. And with the influx of seeing the word plant-based in so many boxed, foods, including baked items, plant-based um, cake mixes and other things like that. This is where you really need to take a deep dive into reading the ingredients that are on the label. Because 15 years ago, you didn't see the word plant-based. Maybe once in a while you saw the word vegan. The food didn't have the, um, the I'm not going to use the word sophisticated, but now everybody is making plant-based foods and you're seeing the word on everything from candy bars to um, made burgers, but you've got to read the ingredients. I realize that we all follow a plant-based vegan diet for different reasons. If health is your main concern, reading the labels is very, very important. And I do think that, um, you know, a piece of birthday cake once a year might be a really nice treat um, as long as it's you know plant-based and my, my husband had a birthday uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I went to my favorite vegan bakery here in town and uh, cake was enjoyed by all. Cake isn't something you eat every day, at least I don't. Anyway, I hope that answered your question. And, um, this is from Samantha. Samantha just read in the Plant Pro course um, that olive oil, uh, flax, hemp, and others uh, shouldn't be used with heat and maybe should be refrigerated. So can I talk more about this? So the interesting thing, again, is this isn't something that's normally in my wheelhouse because I don't even have oil in my house. Um, having grown up in an Italian household um, where a gallon of olive oil was always next to the refrigerator, uh, my grandparents never worried about anything. But when I was at Hope, when I worked at Whole Foods, sometimes we would have um, the owner of a, an olive oil company come in to talk to us. And uh, you want to buy olive oil that's in a green bottle so that there isn't any chlorophyll reaction to the oil if it's exposed to sunlight. Um, some people will tell you that olive oil, because it's the fruit of the olive tree, that it should be stored in the refrigerator like any other fruit juice. Then there's the whole plethora of lists 
on which oil is better to fry from. And I think I was maybe 40 years old until I realized that not everybody used olive oil to cook with. And I have uh, fond memories of my grandmother always frying on a medium heat. I don't ever remember anything being burnt. Uh, I don't remember anything um, other than the fact that there was a gallon of olive oil and it never, ever burned. But about the oil, I think you might want to go back to that unit and look at it a little bit more. When looking for oil, if it's something that you use, remember that you want to think about flavor, um, affordability, and what the smoke point is. And the other, the other thing about oils is that you could move away from um, an olive oil, say, and might use a mixed oil. And if you're at a, I'll use a steak fair as an example, because it's all I can think about right now. But if you're at a steak fair and you're going to get those curly, swirly potato sticks fried, you don't know if the oil has peanut in it, and you don't even know if the food vendor knows if there's peanut oil in it. But if you were with someone who had an allergy to peanuts, then you might want to become aware of or ask them if they know the ingredients uh, are in there. I do think that uh, some of my friends who are chefs like using avocado oil because it has a, a high smoke point, but it's also very, very expensive. So um, I don't know. Samantha, back to the question. Some people see it as being a fruit. You can try it and see if there's a difference. You know, the other thing is, oils can get rancid and you don't want to spend uh, a great deal of money on buying some beautiful beautiful organic vegetables only to find that your oil is rancid and that it could ruin your whole, whole dish that's another element anyway i hope that's helpful to you it's a very you know it's sort of like it could be a discussion it could be a debate because everyone has their um, beliefs about the use of oil, but I'm really glad to see the question here because I think that it gets everyone thinking about how to buy it, how to store it, what's the best way to use it, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you so much for that. Oh, hello, Andrea. You're looking like, oh my goodness, yummy chocolate hummus frosting. Uh, you know, it's the easiest recipe in the world. You. Um... So let me say this. When I make hummus, I take the skin off the garbanzo beans, not one by one with tweezers, you know, but what I do is I put them in a Turkish towel, small kitchen towel, and I make a little satchel out of it and shake, 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 and about 90% of the skin will come off. And um, while the skin is good for you, if you're making a dessert hummus, you want it to be as smooth as it can be because people eat with their eyes first. So you essentially just make a hummus. And sometimes I'll add a little avocado in it just to add a little creaminess so that it gets the real texture of an icing. Uh, I would suggest for you to, um, to play with something like this and develop a recipe that you like. I always put cinnamon in it. I always put a drop of vanilla in it, and I use a really good cocoa powder to help enhance the flavor. Some people will use melted cocoa nibs. Uh, it's all a matter of, um, of um, what you say. And the other thing is that, you know, cooking is so much fun. And I will make something and people will say, oh, what's the recipe? 
And I will say to them, use your instincts. What do you think would make this feel and taste delicious that you would like? And then they'll be like, oh, I never thought of that before. So I think we all have recipes looming in our brains that one day say, oh, I think I'm going to try this. So, and that's how this, this, the hummus icing recipe happened like years and years ago. I was like going somewhere and I thought, oh, I can't take it. I'm naked cake to so-and-so's house. And everyone ate it. Nobody asked any questions. I think I had some crumbled walnuts on top with some miniature chocolate chocolate chips. And people were like, oh my God, this is the best cake. So um, anyway, uh, if you want me to send you um, a recipe, Andrea, um, shoot me an email at char at ruby.com and I will send you what I use. Happy to do that. Um, this is from uh, Lou P. Oh, this was a great question. Uh, Lou wanted to know if there's any way to add cal caloric and detailed dietary info for the recipes that we have in Ruby. So the one thing I want to say is <clears throat> if you pick up a copy of um, any Engine 2 cookbook or if you pick up a copy of uh, Fred's cookbook, which I read all the time, uh, or Jane Esselstyn's new cookbook, Be a Plant-Based Woman Warrior, there isn't any caloric information in that because primarily if you are following a whole food plant-based diet, you want to think in terms of nutrient density, not in terms of calories. So having a big salad with lots of greens and vegetables and legumes and, oh, today I saw a picture of a salad I made a while ago and it also had some air fried French fries in it. And my, I have two favorite Ruby um, recipes for dressing, the Dijon vinaigrette and the balsamic. Sometimes I'll mix them together, it's even better. So that's uh, something, you know, you, you want to sort of change your mindset in terms of. However, um, there are several tools on the internet that you can use if you wanted to figure out a recipe. And uh, off the top of my head, uh, I have forgotten their names, but um, they're helpful in terms of uh, understanding if you're interested in learning about milligrams of sodium. But again, um, for someone, uh, for anybody who follows a whole food plant-based diet, um, that they are already avoiding um, oil, salt, and sugar. So the sodium content really isn't that, you know, um, isn't something that they really tailored on seeing. But Lou, that is a great question. And if you want to email me at char at ruby.com, I will be happy to send you the couple of resources that I do use when people do ask me to make a nutrition profile of a recipe. All right. This is from Andrea. Can you please repeat the social media handle, the first of the commentators? Oh, okay. That would be Picnic in Provence. And uh, her name is Margot D. And then the other person who you must follow is at Artfully Plant Based. And um, her work is also just as beautiful. And Artfully Plant Based, uh, Laura Hollenbeck is the person who completed four Ruby classes. Okay, Fran has entered the ring with information about sugar-free icings, fruit paste. Uh, recent study linked higher blood levels of this. Oh yeah, uh, there have been. There's been lots of information this last week about using erythritol, 
um, which is a sugar alcohol associated with increased risk of heart attack, et cetera. And by the way, um, there are some brands in the market that add erythritol to their monk fruit because uh, it's granulated and it, you know, looks a lot like sugar. But really and truthfully, you should pay attention to that new um, report that was just out. Uh, this is from Camille. Oh, Camille, I love this so much. Camille wants to know how she can start a business cooking healthy meals to the seniors in my community. Okay, sorry about that. So I, um, I go to a senior citizen center and I was so excited. And I had, you know, my little hotel pan and I had everything that I needed and I had a beautiful mise en place and and people were, you know, uh, massaging their own kale. And I, I was like, oh, my God, I've waited my whole life for this. I'm so excited. And then over the PA system came this notice. Attention, seniors, if you have paid for your donuts, the donut cart is here. And in a New York minute, the 16 people who were in my class left the building to get their donuts. And um, I stopped what I was doing. I waited for them to come back and realized that working with older adults has its challenges because many are so set in their ways. So to your point, um, working with older adults has its challenges and you want to look at recipes. I like to call them crossover recipes. For example, um, the um, tuna-less salad recipe that we have is the perfect crossover dish because when it's made, it really does taste like tuna fish. And when it's served on toasted Ezekiel bread with lettuce and tomato and hummus instead of mayo, it really does taste like a tuna fish sandwich. So you want to start off with making foods that are familiar. Uh, potato salad is another good one to try. Beautiful salads but you want to make foods that make the transition into their lives easily. Soups, older adults love soups. And um, in May and June, I'll be teaching a cooking series for the Culinary Literacy Center in Philadelphia. And uh, there are people who were from my classes three years ago, and this will be our first in-person. And uh, one of them texted me and said, just don't be making any weird food. So I have learned from them that um, I have to sort of transition what I know so that it's familiar to them. And uh, maybe if you can ask, you know, I would suggest to do a survey. That always is a very, very helpful thing. But I love that you're going to do that. I think that's a great idea. If you ever have any questions, feel free to um, email me at shara.ruby.com. All right. Um, this is from Ann S. Is it possible to make up a lot of food paste and can it, and can it with water, bath, or pressure cooker to have on hand as my freezer is getting a little too full? Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know, but what I can tell you is that uh, how much fruit paste are you using on a regular basis? Are you putting it in salad dressings or whatever? Um, I um, make it as I need it because it, there's just such a small amount of it. So I, I don't know if I have the right answer for you. If you're making salad dressings with it, I would make the salad dressings and then uh, just use it for um, uh, 
you could freeze this tower addresses. Actually, they come out great. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Um, how long should a reduced balsamic vinegar last, and does it need to be refrigerated for longer duration? So are you making the balsamic reduction yourself, or are you buying it um, from the store? If it's something that you're making yourself, I would date it uh, from the day you made it and then add five days, because generally speaking, those kinds of things keep best for not more than five days in your refrigerator. Um, some of the commercial brands um, will tell you to store in refrigerator. So I'm not, I need to have a little bit more information, but I hope that's helpful to you. This is from Susan A, whose family prefers an alcohol and vinegar-free diet. Um, is there a list of acceptable taste substitutions? So I would look to lemon, limes, grapefruit, oranges as your acid source to also help to layer the flavors of whatever it is that you're using. Those are my go-tos. And you know, I've been to a million cooking classes myself where a chef will say, Today I'm going to use grapefruit and just squeezes some fresh grapefruit over it and the salad tastes absolutely delicious. So I hope that those um, answers were helpful to you. That's a good question, Susan. Well, actually, all the questions. Um, there are numerous material choices of pots and pans. How do we choose the best for our needs? Well, um, I have a, an array of um, uh, pots and pans that I use. Uh, someone gifted me green pan, but the high-end green pan, so that there's no scraping or anything like that. I do prefer a good stainless steel pan, and um, cleaning it is a breeze. And I do not use Teflon. Uh, no one, in my opinion, no one in 2023 should be using um, Teflon, but stainless steel might be your best way to go. Hope that's helpful. This is from Toki. Good afternoon, Toki. Uh, I tried baking a gluten-free cake and it separated after frosting. I think the gluten-free flour I used didn't have xanthan gum alternatives. Um, I'm going to send your question to Fran Costigan because uh, that is a question for her. But Toki, I think I have seen you post some beautiful food on uh, social media and that you once made a cake and you tried 26 different times to finally get the recipe right. Am I correct? And it looks like you're very comfortable in the kitchen. Um, was your cake cooled enough before you put the icing on would be my first question, however. Um, good question. Nice to see you here. Um, this is also from Toki. What's the secret to gluten-free baking that keeps it moist and binds? Binds it since we're not using eggs, not, you're not big on flax eggs. Okay. Um, again, I am going to, uh, send your questions to Fran so that her expertise will answer the questions perfectly for you. Um, I wonder why you don't like flax eggs. I find that they work really, really well. Um, and I'm not a fan of using like uh, just egg or anything like that. But uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're fun to follow on social media. Um, this is from Michael. 
Do you have a simple recipe for a fat-free pie crust? At one time, fat-free graham crackers were available, but not now. How about pretzels? Uh, there are lots of recipes in the world for making um, uh, pie crusts with pretzels. And I don't know what you would use. Uh, of what I'm going to suggest to you is something like apple juice, or if you're not opposed to using a nut butter like almond butter, might work really well uh, for making a uh, crust from pretzels. So you can give that a try if that works for you. Uh, this is from Ann S. again. Uh, when a recipe calls for smoked tofu, does it come this way or do I give it that flavor? So there are smoked tofu items uh, in the tofu case and you might want to check the ingredients to see what's in there. Uh, if you go to the uh, Ruby recipe for uh, smoked tofu, uh, one of the ingredients in it, aside from uh, a low-sodium tamari, is liquid smoke. If you don't have liquid smoke, you can use smoked paprika, which really renders a very lovely, lovely smoked flavor. But I think making your own is the best way to go because it's more cost-effective and you know every ingredient that's in there. Um, hope that was helpful, Anne. Uh, this is from Lily B. Uh, she's still having difficulty to describe the taste, aroma, flavor, and smell of a final dish. Any tips or recommendations when tasting food with other people? Every person seems to have a different opinion. Who's right? Who's wrong? Um, things are neither right nor wrong. They just are. That's my one of my mottos for life. Uh, in terms of uh, identifying the taste, so let's say that you have made the uh, roasted carrots, for example, and you have tasted them. Um, were they crunchy? Were they soft when you bit into them? Did they taste salty? Did the carrots taste sweet? So we have, um, and maybe Patrick can pull this up, but we have a full list of uh, flavor identifiers that might be very helpful for you to uh, look at. And yes, you're right. We all have different um, uh, taste sensations, but I think in terms of texture, was it crunchy or soft, or was it smooth or creamy? Uh, flavor, um, was it spicy? Was it bland? Um, there are all kinds of adjectives that you can think of. One thing that's really difficult is that when we're reviewing an assignment and a student will write, it was good. And that's the only thing that's there. So that doesn't really tell me anything about that. So um, you could begin it with, to me, it tasted salty because we all have our own interpretation of salt. And I'll just tell you this. A while ago, my husband and I went out for lunch and I ordered uh, a side of Brussels sprouts and, you know, I have to give instruction to the chef to say, do this, do that, don't do this. And they came to the table and they looked beautiful. And I took a bite and I said to my husband, oh, I can't eat these. These things are so salty. So the young server came to the table and I expressed my woe to her. And they said, um, I'll tell the chef. And the chef himself came to the table and he said, you know, we get, these were his words, not mine. 
He said, we get a lot of complaints from older adults who say that our food is too salty. He said, but I tasted those and I don't even know how you ate one of them. So um, again, flavor is uh, unique to all of us, but hopefully, Lily, that will give you a little input and we'll make sure to put up that uh, link for you. Um, this is from Phyllis. Good afternoon, Phyllis. Um, when I make a parfait, I'm silken tofu and bananas, it turns brown. What can I add to keep it from turning? So um, I, uh, <clears throat> bananas, bananas instinctually will turn brown when they're exposed to oxygen. You could um, sprinkle some lemon juice on them or add, add uh, to your parfait. Uh, Anne Ethelston always adds a little um, freshly squeezed lime juice, which actually works beautifully with the tofu, but it also helps to preserve the, fl the flavors of the, um, of the fruit. And maybe add something like a mango or add some berries or something else so that there aren't a ton of, um, a ton of uh, bananas. You could also candy the bananas if you wanted to, or dehydrate them or something to use them that way. But remember, bananas turn very, very quickly. Um, but I do like the idea of a, uh, of a parfait. And I love a parfait that has a topping of Ezekiel cereal mixed with uh, apple juice. To me, there's nothing more delicious in the world. Hope that helps. This is from Linda Kay. Are there plant-based plant recipes for specific medical, medical needs? Uh, I'm a, di a diabetic and no honey or maple syrup or sugar substitutes in recipes. I understand that. Uh, I have chronic kidney disease, so limited potassium, uh, limited types of fruits and vegetables, uh, and of course, no salt. So last summer, I um, was the resident chef at, a, at an urban farm in Philadelphia, and one of the volunteers um, would always come over and she'd say, uh, Chef Shaw, what did you make today? And I would say, you know, whatever it was that I made. And she would walk away and say, can't eat it today. Can't eat it today. And then one day we harvested um, eggplant and she said, I can eat those. So uh, I was happy to find something like that. But back to your original question. Um, I think fresh fruit might be your best bet. And uh, if you can... Uh, uh, do things like uh, uh, tofu and maybe make a nice little creamy uh, topping out of that, that that might work. We don't really need to have um, um, honey or maple syrup. Uh, there's delicious deliciousness in all of the things that we eat. But I do understand how you have to really keep an eye on, especially your potassium um and the things that you need to eat i'm trying to think of um some of the physician cookbooks um and nothing comes to mind right now um i can think of um dr monica agarwal but most of her recipes are for heart health but i'm going to um see I, I think I have a resource for you. And if you want to email me at char at ruby.com. Um, but you sounds like you already know what you need to avoid, which is a good thing. And um, it's kind of interesting because there are many, many people in this arena who will say, and there's no sugar in it. But the reality is that date sugar is sugar, honey is sugar, maple syrup is sugar, um, and that we still have to be careful of those 
aside from whatever medical needs, but that they're also very calorically dense. So I appreciate uh, hearing from you, Linda, and I'm going to put some thought into that for you. This is from Stella. Uh, thank you so much for all your help with this course. Uh, you're very welcome. I work with a wonderful team. We love working with all of the students. Uh, I just made the plant-based butter. I was wondering how long you think it will last in the fridge. I can freeze what we won't use in that time frame. Generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, uh, things will last five days. And you want a container that is airtight. You want to keep it in the back of your refrigerator where you have the most constant temperature. The butter does um, uh, freeze very well. So I think that you knew the answer before I did. So that's good. Yeah, that recipe for butter is actually very, very good. I laugh at the spelling and, and the pronunciation because um, having grown up uh, on Long Island, uh, butter is how I would normally say that word if I hadn't retrained my tongue living in Philadelphia for so many years. Thanks, Stella. Uh, this is from Andrea R. What is the best way to use the vegetables after making the vegetable stock? Well, they don't have much flavor. So because all the flavor has been cooked out to give you a beautifully colored stock, that wonderful flavor. But what you can do with them is you could uh, strain them and squeeze out even more excess stock and then you can use them to make um, vegetable crackers and there are recipes for um, crackers everywhere and you don't necessarily you don't even need a dehydrator but that's what i would use them for um, sometimes i'll give them to my dog who absolutely loves them but in terms of reusing them and serving them as a dish um, their flavor has gone to the stock. I hope that was helpful. This is from Peggy who wants to buy some new cookware. Do stainless steel, leach, chromium, and nickel or other harmful things? Or is stainless steel a healthy way to cook? Is ceramic better? Please help. So, um, you know, I think that we all go through um, um, a metamorphosis, a kitchen metamorphosis, because I can remember a time in my life when having Teflon coated pots and pans was the best thing in the world. And uh, now uh, what I use is stainless steel. And I have a couple of ceramic pots, but if I do use them, I only use wooden utensils on them so that they don't get um, scraped or scrapped, scraped. Um, so I, I think what I would do is this, rather than buying a whole pot, of, whole set of pans, go to a reputable store or go to Marshall's where oftentimes they have all of the top name brands on sale. You're not going to see a full set, but buy yourself a, you know, a, an 11 inch saute pan and start working with that and see how you like it. And does it fit your kitchen style? Is it something that you like to work with? And that's what I would do, but I would avoid, um, uh, things with coatings and, and such. I did mention earlier that Green Pan makes some really high-end ceramic pots and pans, and they are also very, very good. And they're guaranteed for five years, which I think um, speaks a lot to that. But um, I will say that I had to learn to uh, clean the stainless, stand, uh, stainless steel 
And uh, there's a concoction on the internet and it works like a dream. And you take some water and vinegar and a little dish detergent and a uh, dryer sheet and you heat it up and then you come back 20 minutes later and everything is gone. And I know it sounds kind of like hocus pocus, alamogocus, but it really works. So that's something else you might want to think about, though, about cleaning your pots. Um, this is from Andrea R. What's the best way to use almond paste? Are you using it in a dessert? Is it sweet? Um, that's how I know almond paste to be best used. Uh, it's not anything that I personally use. Again, that might be. Um, a really good uh, question to ask Fran, and Fran will be back with her live events in April. Um, but I'm sure that through student services, you can also ask Fran, but um, desserts is what I know. Okay, this is from Drew A. Good afternoon, Drew. Oh, he just got back from the holistic holiday cruise last week. Oh, I hope you had a good time. Um, he met several uh, graduates from the Forks Overnights classes. Of course, was very well liked, thought. I would share this. It was a wonderful experience being surrounded by the like-minded people. You know, many of my friends have gone on the cruise as presenters and say that the same uh, thing that you have just mentioned, that it's, it's almost joyful to be amid like-minded people, uh, to be served food that is re representative of your innermost culinary values. So uh, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, uh, we'll make certain that uh, the other instructors uh, hear of your experience. And uh, it looks like our questions have run out for the day. Um, before I close, um, you know, we have that gluten-free, um, it's called gluten-free farmer market if you're in Plant Pro. And um, it's really a great uh, assignment because you learn how to cook properly with gluten-free pasta, of which there are many. I'm a big fan of any gluten-free pasta made in Italy or Romania. The corn pasta from Trader Joe's is made in Romania. It's very, very good. However, Trader Joe's now has this, um, this is riced uh, pasta, but they also make a pasta of the same ilk. And what I wanted to say is, this is already cooked. All you have to do is heat it up. So what I'm saying is that if you're going to do the gluten-free assignment, make sure that you're using a dried gluten-free pasta because the trick is learning how to boil it. Does it get rinsed? Do I, do I cook it al dente so that the sauce can be mixed well with it, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just a little tip. So closing out, uh, thank you to everyone for joining in today. I would encourage you to follow Forks Over Knives Ruby, uh, the Forks Over Knives, uh, the uh, Ruby Professional and Ruby Plant Pro on Facebook. And then, of course, on Instagram, uh, at Ruby Plants and at Ruby for other Ruby related items. I want to thank Patrick very much uh, for helping me set up. Um, it's always a joy for me to work with Patrick, and I will see all of you in May, I think on May the 2nd, so I hope everybody has a great day, and sending loads of love from the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Bye for now.